With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. Bless Your Boys is your home on the SB Nation platform for all things Detroit Tigers baseball and beyond. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? It's very hot. It is. It's been a little better here, but it's still been pretty dang hot. But Winnipeg is hot? Uh, yeah, we've had, and I'm going to get all celsius on you guys, but like on Saturday it was 35, which in Ooh. Celsius is, is, it's hot. It's like in the 90s hot. It was hot. Has it been humid too? Um, that one wasn't so bad, but it did rain today, so we've got that kind of sticky heat we've going had, on. We've had a little bit of a good run where it's been like in the eighties and not so humid, but man, like all like May, June, it was just like either ninety plus and humid, or it was like sixty five and overcast and humid and drizzling. It's just been kind of nonstop. So we're finally getting a little bit of a break. I've been out mountain biking a whole bunch the past couple weeks, feeling nice. feeling good. So that's been going well. Um, things haven't been going so well for the home team, unfortunately. I really like how you segued that. Yeah. It's like, you know what isn't hot right now? <laughs> the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, yeah. You know what? where you should go if you are needing something to cool you down? The Tigers offense. Yeah, it's been pretty bleak. I mean, the last 10 games, I think I think they're five and no, 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 no. They're three and that seven, seems, I believe. I was gonna say that seems too, too positive. Five yeah. and five is far too kind. Hold on, I'll get you the actual. Yeah, it's something. The actual numbers. They're not. They're there. They not want a couple. Doing yeah, they won a couple games, but coming off the um, the eleven game skid, like they haven't really bounced back too much. And um, I don't know. It kind of feels like we're you know we're turning into into the tank here a little bit as things. They are go four along. and six, by the way, counting oh, today's bad. loss to the Rays. Oh well, that's not so bad. At least they've kind of stabilized things a little bit. But um, and we're not going to get last place. You know, I think that's just impossible at this point. Um, good job, Royals and White Sox and you mean the Marlins twenty-five win Royals? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we're not going to get that first round draft pick. Sorry, no. the Royals, by the way, are zero and ten for their last ten games. Man, I know they're they're just getting clobbered, and they're and they're talking about trading Whit Merrifield, and that would really be the end of it. Um, they well, do, I mean, really, is Whit Merrifield keeping them afloat? Because I don't think he is. Well, no, they're not afloat, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't even imagine like how, how if it could be any worse, that would do it. So. I don't yeah, know. I, are... You look at this Tigers lineup, and you don't you don't see a whole lot better. I mean, it's Nick and Candelario, and Goodrum's been okay still, but man, like leading off Ronnie Rodriguez. Oh, it's, it's rough. It's a rough watch right now. Yeah, the the D Rays Bay staff kind of laughed and then apologized to me yesterday during the game. They were just like, "What is this lineup?" And they're like, "Oh, sorry, Ashley." And I'm like, "No, no, I've seen it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I I know its limitations." <laughs> Yeah, and they are many, yep. Yeah, they said something that they think Castellanos was the only fearsome uh, bat in the lineup. And I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. He's kind of fearsome sometimes, but... <laughs> he's he's scary yep. in some Yeah, he's scary in the well. outfield a little bit. Yep. <laughs> you know what's funny, too, is, like, it's just... It's still anytime he gets near the wall. It's almost like, you know, he's just... He's got a little bit of a block going on the, on the wall stuff. A little, little flinch, that, yeah. He's okay, but, man, he gets near the boarding track. It's, a, it's an adventure out there. Um, That's a polite way to put it. I like that. Yeah, it's an adventure. Well, you know, Nick's Nick's worn off on me, and now you know, now we're kind of boys, and I can't be too mean to him. But yeah, he's your BFF. No, it's I get it. I I have some love for Nick now too, so I can't judge. Yeah, so yeah, I told you you'd come around. Nick is yeah, very you know what? It was I was a bitter old lady about the unbuttoned jersey, and it was making <laughs> me crazy. But now I just I've embraced. I'm I'm all aboard. The Nick hype, nip hype, Nick hype train. <laughs> See, you, you almost said nip as a slip there. Because... I almost did because of how friggin' ridiculous that unbuttoned jersey is. I know. He'll get down there three buttons on you know, <laughs> hot days. Maybe. <laughs> exactly right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've also been talking all day, so I'm just going to be, like, chock full of, like, fumbled words today. Yep. Just, like, praying we understand you and you won't have to repeat this all again at some point. Oh, God. yeah, no, Brandon's making fun of me because I had to give training all day today um, to Microsoft employees. So, uh, yeah, which is, you know, fun. Super entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if it's better or worse than watching the <laughs> Tigers <laughs> or not, yeah. um, but it involves a lot more talking. Yeah, the Tigers could really, really use the all-star break at this point. Um, it just feels like, you know, they're, they're just staggering in. Um, yeah. When we kind of got go. into this, you know, we kind of get into it last week a little bit, talking about, you know, the, the, the trade deadline coming up and what they might be able to do. And unfortunately, like, it just keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, Boyd has just gotten lit up the last, you know, maybe five Three, four out of the last five starts, it looks like, and um, got hit up again tonight. He's not looking terribly valuable. Leonis Martin, who you know a team might have might have been interested in because he's you know having one of the best off seas off yeah, offensive seasons of his career and yep. playing good defense, and he's on the DL. Shane Green is on the DL and probably isn't going to be back for another week and hasn't been very good. So yeah, yeah it's like just we're, not lining we're, up. It's not lining no, up well at all. Not a lot of really great chips at our disposal. And I really, I don't know, I I feel like moves are going to be made, but there's nothing that we're going to be happy about. And not just because we're losing players, it's just because we're not going to get anything back in return. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost scared of them to to make any deals right now, because I'm afraid it's going to be like Fulmer for, you know, like some kind of J.D. Martinez-esque, you know, collection of decent <laughs> decent prospects oh. and i'm just gonna fly into a rage god could we not like yeah, i know let's let's just not go through that again we have michael fulmer for a long time let's not let's yeah not let's not stupid. waste that contract like i can see it it made sense with martinez because you know he's nearing the end he's hitting up free agency it, it's just sensible to trade him yeah, before you lose go. him for free the same thing as justin upton like why let them walk when you can get a serviceable um, prospect for, for a rental, basically? Um, but that's not the Fulmer case. Like, Fulmer's under contract until, what, 2021? 22? Uh, 22. I, th- I know we've got four more years of him. Yep. So, so there like, no there's... Rush. No. Good God, no. Like, even if he just becomes, like, a you know, a second or third style starter... That's still something worth hanging on to for for the remainder of this like rebuild. He could still be a very viable starter for the team once they are back in contention. Yep. Like 
I, yeah, don't move him for nothing. No, I, I don't think they will, but I still am a little worried that they'll move him for something like, you know, like a, a nice package, but nothing eye-popping. And I just feel like, you know, this is probably taking place among the fan base as well. Um, we see it some in the comments, but, you know, I mean, impatience is setting in, and that, that's perfectly natural. I mean, I've been, I was impatient this offseason. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want things to happen. I want this team to get rebuilt and get and get things going, but... We are kind of at the point where you need to be very patient and only trade guys when they're when they're at their highest point of value or if they're leaving anyway. And we just don't really have anybody who really fits the bill um, right now. You know, Liriano and Mike Fires are both going to be free agents at the end of the season. So whatever. You and can they were get. just one year contract. Yeah, trade them for whatever. Yeah, those I guys. Mean, it's... it's no big deal, but. But yeah, everybody else, like, oh, I mean, you, you've got to extract a premium price for Michael Fulmer, and you know, M- Matt Boyd might have been. Might have been worth something there for a while, but the the regression monster is biting him. Um, you know, all the people who are kind of arguing that you know he was doing really well and it was going to be sustainable. You know, it's a pretty good lesson how if you're if you're not a guy who gets the strikeouts, it's very hard to continue letting guys put that many balls in play and still be successful. It eventually yep. comes around to bite you, and it has. Um, and you know, Matt Boyd, you know, as decent fourth fifth starter is is just fine and. That's kind of how he's looking of late. Like that's more the, more the place where he'll kind of round out to. But um, and that's and that's fine too. But um, yeah, it just doesn't feel like this is going to be a particularly exciting trade deadline for us. So here's a hypothetical for you. Say you can move Fires and you can move Liriano. What does our rotation look like? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point because you still have you know you've still got Boyd, you've still got Zimmerman, you've got Fulmer. Jordan Zimmerman's not going to be traded, even though he's pitching out of his mind. No, it's the, it's an immo- it's an immobile contract, yeah, as it were. Exactly. I mean, to get anything back, you'd have to pay basically the whole contract. I think. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's just no point. Yeah, especially not since he's been pretty good actually um, since coming back from from rehabbing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Really, really good. I mean, he's been he's been yeah. amazing actually. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty pretty spectacular year for him. So, I mean, as, as much as, I mean, that's great. Let's, we have him, we may as well have him be good. Yep. So, um, so what do you think? Do you think they bring up some guys? Do you think they move, you know, I don't know, move Hardy back into the rotation? Um, where do you see that lineup or that, that rotation going? Yeah. You know, the Blaine Hardy thing is interesting because, you know, they were talking about the six man rotation, um, until Chris Basio got fired and Rick Anderson immediately put the kibosh on that. And mm-hmm. I mean, that probably wasn't going to be like a long-term thing. I mean, this is the Tigers here. We're not the Rays who are, you know, super experimental and making all kinds of funky things work for them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if they'd move, if they'd move Hardy back or not. I suppose that's an option. Um, I could see them bringing up Kyle Funkhauser who just got, um, who just got moved to AAA and promoted. Um, he's 24 and you know, he, he can still improve, but, but as far as like what he's going to learn in the minor leagues, he's probably pr- pretty close to done. So maybe yeah. maybe that could happen, and that would be kind of fun. And then the sort of wild card is, you know, we don't know how long it's going to take Daniel Norris to get fully healthy and get back. Like he, he was. Throw- I feel like this season might be a wash for it, Norris. Yeah, I mean, it may it may be. And I was really surprised to hear Ryan Gardenhire kind of say, you know, we don't know if he's going to be back, you know, this season, um, because you know he had the surgery. Yeah. Almost three months ago, and you know he had a little setback, and apparently, you know, it was a lot of scar tissue in the groin area that had to break up and he had to Ugh. kind of step back. Yeah. It sounds, it does sound bad. It sounds worse than, uh, you know, all, all kind of spring training. They kind of downplayed that whole thing. Like, yeah, it's just, 
you know, he's got a little tightness down there. You know, maybe there's a little issue, but um, yeah, it sounds like it may cost him the season, and he's probably like the, the next option up if yeah. he could get back. But yeah, to me, you don't rush that. To, to me, with his extensive history of injury and his extensive history of missed season time, mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe you just you eat this season. Maybe you, you know, if anything, you maybe give him some minor league games, um, which, you know, I hate doing it. I hate saying that about it because it, it bums me out seeing Daniel Norris pitch in the minors. Um, but I just, I don't want to push him, you know? It's yeah. it's yeah, yeah. so, obviously, such a, an ongoing concern that I, I don't know why you rush him back in a season that's already wasted. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree that they shouldn't rush him back. Um but may but I you know there's still the chance that you know he's basically basically fine gets stretched out through July maybe you know they take their sweet time with him and then he just comes back in September and pitches a little bit um, just to kind of get his his feet wet again and and kind of start getting the feel for the mound back um, something like that might happen but yeah I agree it's it's looking kind of sketchy and there's there's really no reason to do that I just think they probably aren't going to send him to the minor leagues. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be a rehab outing or two there first, but I can't, part really of me wonders them, like just maybe stashing him there, like all August and, and burning another option, you know, to do that with him. I don't think they would do that, but yeah. Part of me wonders, you just keep him around like Lakeland, you keep him around Kevin Rand. And I'm not saying like pitch him in Lakeland. That's an insane concept, but I'm just, maybe you just keep him at that compound and like, I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of have him like sort of pitch, like, just have him do daily workouts, have him some, do some sim games. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like having him close to that, that, that area and having him close to, to Ram specifically, I think is a really good idea. Yeah, that does make um, sense. So I don't know. I think there's something there that, that you don't want to like to rush anything and you want to make sure that he's in perfect, I think perfect, no even hints of pain condition before you bring him back in. Yeah. Because it seems like this, this has kind of been an ongoing thing with him where in 2012 Mm -hmm. or 2016 and kind of maybe came back a little too soon and took a good while to get it going. And then, you know, this groin thing has been going on since early last year. Um, Yeah. I mean, he, he really needs to just be like, I think they, you know, that was actually his own words is I needed a reset and uh, yeah, like a, a total reset, like a total yeah. reboot, wipe the system, reinstall Windows. Yeah. And, and try it again. So, yeah. and so I mean, like, I, I laugh at this. Yeah. This isn't right. the same idea, but like, I mean, with the twins, they sent Miguel Sano way back, right? Like they sent him to their, their single A team, I think. Yeah. I think they did send him to like high A. Yeah. Yeah. It was like their high A club. And so the, the deal there, I, I don't think was particularly punishment. I'm not a big Miguel Sano fan, yeah. um, but I genuinely believe that their approach there was actually to put him in the same compound where they train the prospects where, you know, cause I think he came back kind of having gained a lot of weight and that was a big thing. So I think it was like, you know, have the meals planned, have the meals prepped, have everything there, have all of those trainers and everything right on site. And part of me thinks that maybe in a ridiculous way that that might function well for Norris, like take him right back to the beginning and like, and not like, like you said, not to burn the option, but like build him up that way. Yeah. Just keep um, him on the 60 day DL and just build him up kind of yeah, like, like just, he's a new. Yeah. Just take him right back to the beginning and like, be like, okay, you're new, you're fresh. Welcome aboard baby Daniel Norris. <laughs> um, let us make you a Detroit Tiger starting pitcher. 
um, just kind of erase the entire history of all of the issues and just take it as if he's brand new now that he's been fixed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And, but what it does do is it, it really does leave, you know, those question marks. I mean, like we said, like maybe you've got Hardy, maybe they decide to bring Funkhauser up if he goes to Toledo and, and gets off a couple good starts. But you look at that, um, that Toledo pitching staff and, you know, there've been guys who've been successful down there, but as we've seen time and time again, Guys who are succeeding with the Toledo Mudhens come up and just get shelled. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Drew Verhagen, Warwick Sopold, Artie Lewicki, whoever whoever you got. So yeah, I don't know. I, you know, you look down there at that roster and it's it's pretty bad. And I I kind of imagine that they wouldn't concern themselves too much with that and would just kind of you know pitch guys like Sopold and Farmer and maybe Kyle Dowdy. I, you know, it's just like yeah, it's just kind of a. Do you think the Tigers bring in a bullpen day? You know, the Tigers, you know, probably could bring in a bullpen day, but it doesn't it doesn't it kind of depend on on actually having a bullpen? <laughs> I yes. think like, you know, part of that works because it seems like, you know, the Rays have like three guys who look like Joe Jimenez out there plus Sergio Romo, you know, if we had that maybe it could work, but I you know, that that seems like a strategy and you'd know a lot more about this than I than I would cuz I haven't followed the Rays that closely except when they started doing it, but that just seems like a strategy that that looks amazing when it's working and could just be a complete disaster if you didn't have the right guys to pull that off. So, Oh yeah. Oh, you definitely need real strong middle relief is what you need. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the Tigers have that in Blaine Hardy. Um, but I don't know that they have it enough to actually pull off a regular bullpen day rotation. Cause you, what you mo- lose Blaine Hardy, you use him what innings three through seven. Yeah. Um, but then what do you do? I mean, yeah, you're still you right still back to it. You still need that guy to come in in seven, eight, nine. Um, so I, I don't know that the Tigers have the depth to pull it off. Um, yeah, I, it's I, a fun I'm thing sure to watch. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I know, and not a lot of teams do. Um, like the real gift that I, I really like about bullpenning um, and using the opener is that it does throw things off for people. Like it does keep teams on their toes because you got this guy that comes in for that first, you know, first run through the order mm-hmm. and then you bring in a totally different guy and nobody's, nobody knows quite how to handle it. So it's, um, yeah, I like it. It's an interesting technique. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it, you know, it just, yeah, it's just, it takes an, you know, it takes a, a kind of set of guys who are willing to buy in to something like that. And, you know, Sergio Romo is kind of a neat cat because he doesn't throw that hard. He's very durable. Got a killer breaking ball. And it just seems like, you know, he's he's kind of up for anything. Like, he, you know, he's willing to try that. Whereas other guys are, you know, younger guys are worrying about their career and, oh, will mm-hmm. I get as many saves and all that kind of stuff, um, which are legitimate concerns because that's how they get paid. But, um, yeah, I just, it's really hard to see how the Tigers can pull that off. Although it may look like bullpenning anyway because we're going to be in bad shape and they're going to be just throwing, they're going to be throwing anybody they can on the mound, it feels like, um, in the second half. You know, it's going to be Fulmer, Boyd, and Zimmerman and, Zimmerman and then question yeah. mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. And I think you yeah. also have to look to, you know, when Chris Bosia was here, perhaps something like that could be thought of and implemented, but Rick Anderson is just not that dude. Um, no, he's too by the book. I don't think that there's, and very I, I don't old think school, there's, very I was going to say, there's yeah. no real, I think, flexibility for experimentation under the new regime. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can look at it in the reverse, you know, like the thing that, that Rick Anderson first said when he took over is, you know, he wants these guys to go deep in the games again, which this is all stuff you don't hear 
from any, you know, any forward thinking teams anymore. But with, with, you know, young starters like Boyd and Fulmer, I don't really care. Um, the Tigers don't have a bullpen. I mean, it, right now it's Joe Jimenez and, you know, whoever happens to maybe be throwing okay on the given day. So if mm-hmm. you want to stretch those guys out and, and try, you know, I, I, I have to kind of agree with Justin Verlander on this th- theory that if you don't get the chance to pitch in the seventh and eighth and to try to, to go through those innings when you're kind of getting tired, you'll never learn how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't mind that the Tigers kind of going that route right now. But, yeah, I mean, Rick Anderson is, is very much like a throwback type coach and yeah, he won't be around like, too long as our head pitching coach. Cause I'm not, really, not excited. Really set on this. Make sure they get through six innings thing. Yep. Like no matter what pump the disaster strikes, is. Don't set people it, up, pump strikes, pitch yeah, the contact, don't walk anybody. It's a pretty inflexible model. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it really yeah. is. And you know, I, I probably will be writing about this. I've already got like a huge piece where I went on and on and on. And I'm just trying to figure out how to, condense it into something a little bit more digestible but yeah you know i chris chris bazio whatever chris bazio could really teach these guys i think about you know about the tempo you know about using tempo changes controlling the rhythm of the game um adjusting guys grips you know like there were a bunch of guys who showed some improvements in their slider like all that kind of stuff is are things that you can do in spring training and right now you know pitchers are just trying to maintain and and get to the end of the season and i i really don't think rick anderson is going to have that much of an effect for better or worse um but yeah they're definitely going to be trying to squeeze that extra inning out of guys who probably don't have that extra inning give so i don't know it's gonna be a rough go i think uh was it rob i think rob was the one who really came out and was like you know the tigers are probably going to do better than everybody thinks like the first you know two or three months and then it's just going to be a disaster after that and Mm -hmm. it's all it's all kind of coming around to shape up that way isn't it yeah i just want to mention a stat here since we're talking about guys who like tweak their performance um, do you remember two seasons? It was last the beginning of last season when we were like, oh, hey, Anibal Sanchez might be useful yeah. briefly. And they were like, la, 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 never mind. <laughs> um, Anibal Sanchez right now for the Atlanta Braves has a 2.72 ERA mm-hmm. and his a 4-2 and two record. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Even his, his FIP is only 3.88. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> I can't get over this. And I think- he has a... No, oh go for God. it. I know. Well, you just, you is... know, I just keep thinking of, you know, there's all these reasons to think that there are there are reasons why the Tigers pitching staff isn't as that much to do with the pitchers. I mean, it comes back to like the catching and the coaching and the whole thing. And when you see, you know, Verlander suddenly like become twice as good when he goes to Houston and then you see Anibal Sanchez, you know, who's, you know, pitched OK in, in little stretches here and there. But yeah, go down there and. You know, I mean, obviously he's probably pitching over his head, but he's got a three eight eight FIP too, so it's not like he's just getting yeah. lucky down there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That, that's really surprising. I love Anibal, so I'm I'm happy for him to finally find a little success. But he is a one point four WAR according to B rep, which I know is not our preferred WAR choice, but it just happens to be where I'm at right now, and it's the highest it's been since 2014. Yep. Yep, and he's got, you know, 59 and two-thirds innings. Basically pitched a third of a season, and, you know, I think Fangraphs had him, like, just under one war. So, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. looking like roughly a three-war pitcher, which is an above-average pitcher. So we'll see if he can keep that going. But, yeah, that's that's been a bizarre development. Oh, God, that's so funny to me. I mean, I don't want him back, but, like... Yeah. But the, what killed me, and I think I did, in the post I wrote about the All-Tigers... Active All-Star um, Tigers. Active All-Star all, team... Active all-star I want to point out that he has only given up seven home runs this season. Mm-hmm. And for a pitcher who are like, I think our 
biggest pet peeve about Sanchez was that he was just a home run yielding machine. Yep. Like he just gave them up left, right, and center. To only have given up seven in the season so far is actually uh, very impressive for him. Yeah. So. And that's the whole thing with him. You know, I mean, he, he was still striking guys out the whole time and still wasn't walking that many guys, but he was just yeah, one of those guys that ran into the. In 2016 for the yeah. Tigers, by the way. So, yeah. and I had and 26 be. last season. Yeah. So. In, only, in only like 100 innings, I think, last year, too. Uh, yeah, last season he pitched 105 innings and gave up 26 home runs. Yeah, and it just seems like, you know, that's like James Shields, and there's there's a, quite a few kind of older pitchers who lost some stuff and could still get the strikeouts and keep their walks down, but they, they would just get bombed out of the park. And, yeah, Annabelle's kind of figured that out, and the same thing was happening to Jordan Zimmerman, and he's kind of figured that out. Um, kind of wonder if, you know, like the adaptations haven't kind of taken enough hold for some of these guys where the the home run revolution is slowing down. So, yeah, but that has been interesting to see Annabelle go down there and do well. And, yeah, that article you wrote, too. Yeah, that was super interesting. It was also, you know, it's also painful <laughs> to just oh, look, look at the amount of talent the Tigers have had. You know, I don't even think anybody touched on Curtis Granderson, who's still like a halfway effective part-time player after all these yeah. years. I didn't, I didn't include Grandy. I didn't include Cespedes. Um, I kind of had to pick and choose, and yes, it has been pointed out to me that I left Justin Upton off the list, uh, and no, that wasn't intentional. I absolutely <laughs> forgot Justin Upton. Um, it was just one of those things where you're looking at a list of players, and you're like, who we got? Who can fit here? And he just sailed right off the top of my head. Um, but man, yeah, I think it was like pretty close to a $225 million um <laughs> payroll yeah. Yeah. for that team though and it was it surprised me was that david price had one of the highest annual price tags of anybody oh yeah like yeah. including verlander and um scherzer price was still a higher like annual salary than them and i grant because scherzer's is like spread over the next 55 years <laughs> yeah it's all deferred, basically um deferred, he'll, yeah. he'll have been retired for a decade by the time the nationals have finished playing for him paying for him but uh um yeah, I it was pretty interesting to see just how much people were still getting paid. Um, yeah, and some of them, works. yeah, and some of them definitely getting getting paid a lot more than they're worth. Like like Mr. Price, um, you know, Dave Dombrowski is not afraid to shell out some money. So, yeah, yes. but yeah, it's, you look at you know JD's just you know JD might be the best power hitter in the game right now, and then you got Verlander who might be the best pitcher in the game right now, and if it's not him, it's Max probably. Yeah. And uh, yeah, right there, you got the foundation for for a heck of a team that we don't have anymore. So there are a lot of Cy Youngs in that starting rotation. Yeah, um, I think every single person, the, everyone, I think except Robbie Ray, um, in the starting five rotation that I picked has at least one Cy Young. Um, Max Scherzer has three. Yep. Three very deserved ones. One with the Tigers, two with the Nationals. He'll probably get a fourth one this year. Yeah, it um, seems really hard. To, unless he gets injured, it seems like, like it's a lock this year again. Yeah, there's there's just nobody else in the game, at least in the National League, that's anywhere near as good as Max Scherzer is. Um, we are blessed to be in the prime of Max Scherzer, is my opinion. Yep. Yeah, it's still fun to watch the Max, and I, do, I still do watch him pitch occasionally. So, But yeah. Yeah, it's hard times when you look at what we had, and but when you look at that payroll, you also realize why it it was just you know like the whole situation was just becoming un, unviable. But yeah, it's gonna it it just feels like it's gonna take 
going to take a good amount of time to uh, to turn this thing around the way things are the way things are headed. Um, there's been some good news on the farm. There's been a lot of guys, you know, coming along and doing pretty well down there. But you know, there really isn't anybody close um, of the real impacts players other than uh, Kristen Stewart, who you know the Tigers seem to be pretty dead set against bringing up um, until you know maybe we'll see like the September call up when rosters expand. But yeah, it doesn't seem like we're going to see really any of these guys. And like I mentioned earlier, like maybe Funkhauser. Gets a gets a crack at the rotation if yeah. they, if they can move fires in Liriano, but I you know those are still far from foregone conclusions, and anybody's going to be that stoked on on either one of them. Um, you would have to think someone wants them, <laughs> someone in the National League. Um, at least Liriano gives you like a lefty that you can kind of switch in and out of the pen, and you know it's, it's pretty versatile that way. And Mike Fires has just been pitching his ass off; like it's been super fun to watch. But I don't, I don't know for sure how <laughs> if other teams are going to buy into that and think he can keep it up or not. So yeah, it's hard to say, and you're not going to get anything in return. Nothing real, yeah, exciting. So I mean, we we've kind of hashed that concept out. I'm not going to like beat the dead horse. I just want anybody listening to to be fully aware that we should not be at all excited about the returns that are coming our way. Yeah. This trade deadline. Yeah. There's so not like, much to look forward to. Please do not comment later on our posts talking about who's this asshole. <laughs> I can tell you who this asshole is. He is the 12th most popular prospect in whatever um, franchise it is. We trade our players for. Yeah. So, yeah. so enjoy. Yep, not gonna get a lot. Not gonna get a lot for Mike Fires or Francisco Liriano, and that's okay. Um, we're just gonna have to be patient. We all knew that, but it would be nice to see things going a little bit in more of a positive direction. Um, you know, some of the guys that we could get excited about early on, like Jacoby, have kind of settled into looking like, well, this is kind of kind of who Jacoby is. Um, Nico Goodrum, there's still some some hints of intrigue, but there hasn't been uh, there hasn't been a whole lot else to be excited about. That's for sure. Nick is playing. Can we just briefly but, though? rehash that beautiful 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 jacoby jones catch against beltre in the ranger series this past weekend yeah that was fantastic yeah like i love that he just kind of kneeled and presented the glove like it was an engagement ring to the entire crowd yep like oh just like surprise ta-da i've got it and i'm just like yeah you did kid yep after falling on his face and his mom was there cheering him on yeah, his mom is uh, is definitely a rabid fan. It seems like I see her there pretty regularly. She's she's hanging I out. So feel she's if she does not have season tickets, she's taking full advantage of the friends and family tickets that you're going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you probably somebody like you know Justin Verlander's mom at this point is kind of over it, except for the big games. But yeah, she's she's still uh, still in the, the a rookie MLB mom of her own. And, yeah, well, uh, it's his first. It full season i can i can get it oh, i think sure. it's yep i love it actually yeah it's great she's, she's, she's i still cool. hope that they get her back in the booth again she was absolutely fantastic up there with rod and mario yeah she was and you know she it was knows funny. her stuff man yeah and you know we've we've heard from shane green's mom and nick castellanos moms on their on their podcast so yeah the moms have been uh, making their presence felt a little bit absolutely yep let's real quickly though yeah let's talk about jordan zimmerman just for a little bit because Really, he's kind of the only, <laughs> he's the only real bright spot, at least an unexpected bright spot. You know, like Nick and Candelario are doing well. Candy's kind of battling the inside pitch and maybe the wrist a little bit. Hasn't been, uh, has been kind of slumping, but Jordan Zimmerman, I, I just, I have to look through the numbers real quick. Well, 1.60 walk nine. I mean, that is, oh, that's precision. And that's then, nice. Yep. And for anybody out there watching, you know, who's, who's seen any of his last bunch of starts, I mean, he is just painting the edges 
throwing a lot of sliders um, and just looking awesome. And it's really, I don't know, it's just kind of intriguing to think if he can keep this, keep this up. You know, it all, you have to assume, comes back to his health. He's out there with a 305 FIP, which I think would be the second best number of his career. Yeah, he had a better number in 2014 when he probably could have won a Cy Young Award, if not for... I think Mr. Kershaw won that year, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. Do you think maybe there's a chance? I mean, neither of us are doctors. Do you think there's a chance that maybe he's just kind of got this thing managed now to where at least part of the time you're going to see him, you know, looking like a healthy version of his best self here? Oh, I love, I would love to hope so. Like, that's my hope. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so kind of disenchanted with Tigers having rebounds from injuries where they look real good mm-hmm. and then it falls apart. Um, but then I look at somebody like Berlander where he had that like season and a half of real sketchy, like have we seen the best of Justin Berlander? Um, is this the decline, you know? And, yeah. and I wonder maybe if we've got Zimmerman now on the opposite side of that hump too, where like we had those declining years and we're like, Oh, is he ever going to be the pitcher he was with the nationals? Is he ever going to be the guy we paid for? And I think there is a, a not zero possibility that this could be the Zimmerman that we have now. Just, yeah. Yeah. you know, actual good Jordan Zimmerman has his shit together is, is what we were hoping for all along. Now, the real bummer of that is that we now have that Jordan Zimmerman through seasons that matter nothing. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, but I would rather see Jordan Zimmerman, and he's 4-0 right now, his record. Um, I would rather see Jordan Zimmerman have a, a loseless season. Is loseless a word? I'm a writer, but that does not feel... Lossless? <laughs> A lossless, yeah, a perf, you know, a, a great season like that. And it's just, it adds to the element of fun, right? Like if at least every five starts we can count on Jordan Zimmerman to go out there and win us a game, then I still think that's worth watching. Yeah, I mean, nothing is ever going to redeem, you know, the, the struggles the past two years, but it is. it would be nice if, if they've kind of got this. I mean, obviously, like Justin Verlander is a different case because you could heal fully from, from that, it seems like. Jordan Zimmerman probably is, is always going to be managing this, um, you know, and, and, and they've become more proactive about giving him the eject injections before he's even having any tightness or any issues. Um, and yeah, you just kind of hope they've, they've kind of gotten the schedule down to where they can keep it under control because it, yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to be great and it, and it doesn't help us when we need, but, um, but to see him kind of pitching better and being able to kind of protect the bullpen a little bit and at least give us some, some value there is at least, something to keep an eye on and is also really fun to watch because um, I was a fan of Jordan Zimmerman when he was at the nationals. I was a fan of us signing him um, after with the disclaimer that I actually thought we should blow up the team at that point. <laughs> but once they decided they were going to go for it for, for Mike Illich again, he, I mean, he was the guy to get. Um, so it's been nice to see him come around because he is, I mean, he really is like one of the most precise throwers of the baseball out there and can kind of just, can just dot the zone with anything he wants to when he's right. So he is fun to watch pitch and at least. And um, yeah, for a, for a desperate fan base, we'll have to take what we can get. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it, right? Like, you still need wins because you still need to fill the seats and you still need to make the money and and you still need something to give the fan base hope year after year. Yeah. Um, and you don't want maybe... to see Buck Farmer overworked every day, you know? No, and I think maybe we can have that. At least Zimmerman can kind of help us limp our way you know, towards the future. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of it. Um, you know, the Tigers are not real impressive some of these days. If anybody who watched the game uh, earlier this evening, we're recording on Tuesday night on the 10th, and, you know, the offense was just kind of miserable until the end of the game, and they scratched out a couple runs. But, um, you know, we're going to have games like that. Hopefully some of these guys can get healthy, and maybe if we're lucky, I think the only silver lining in the second half is maybe we'll start to see a couple guys. Maybe we'll see Jake Robson. Maybe we'll see, you know, I don't know, Zach Houston or John Schreiber or one of these relievers, or we might see Kyle Funkhauser or Sandy Baez. There's some of those guys that that might come up and at least we'll kind of start to get a look at them. And um, yeah, that's that's probably really all there is going to be to look forward to, apart from what Justin Verlander coming coming to town next week, I think it is, or? The 15th? That's Sunday. And uh, yeah, so he'll be here to dominate us on Sunday. <laughs> that'll be That'll be weird. So, oh well, you'll get a standing ovation. People will cry. Actually, I'll probably. Actually, I should say we're in Houston before everybody runs out to get tickets. We're yeah, in Houston. Sorry. It's not going to be in Comerica, but yeah, because otherwise I'd be running out to get tickets. Too. I will be in Minneapolis watching the Rays take on the Twins. Oh yes, 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 that'll be fun. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, uh, it's actually going to be like a mini SB Nation meetup. I think. Oh, yeah, Maya coming and... Yeah, Maya's coming, uh, Greg's coming, so we've got Twinkie Town reps, we got uh, Pinstripe Alley reps, I think Les from Bless You Boys may be coming. Oh, yeah, oh, I love Les, I would love to meet uh, Les in person. I know, so it should be a good fun time, I think, if everybody shows up. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, what are we gonna talk? Oh, you know, I, w- I just wanted to mention this, like, before we, we're going to move on and talk about the All-Star game and the voting and a little bit of that. But um, I did want to point out this, this spectacular Ken Rosenthal article on The Athletic this week um, called entitled The Five Biggest Lies Baseball People Tell During the Trading Season. Oh, I, I loved it. Yeah, I found it hilarious and just like and just so true. Like, you know, the, the cliches are just all there and, and nobody's seen more of it really than Ken Rosenthal. So everything from all that stuff, like we're not shopping this guy, we're just listening. You know, I love that. That's when Tigers fans are very well versed in with Mr. Fulmer. Yep. Oh, no, we're just listening. I mean, we'll listen, you know, whatever. whatever yeah, man. Big Al loves that line. Yeah, I mean, you're either, you know, you're either willing to trade a guy or you aren't. I mean, that's what it comes down to. But, yeah, that one's always kind of a funny one. And then, uh, yeah, the whole thing about scouts, like, oh, this is just normal coverage, you know, nothing unusual when a team suddenly has, like, you know, their three top scouts all at some start to watch, you know, whatever starting pitcher somewhere around the league. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like that, you know, always trying to pretend like that's not a tell as though their top scouts like just happen to wander around all July just watching random games. You know, they're not busy trying to figure out who to trade for or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty great. Um, I don't you know, I don't get paid to hock the athletic, um, but I will because the athletic has has proven to be well worth the money. So, yeah, you can look for that and some of the good stuff on uh, on the athletic Detroit as well with Miss Katie Strang, Miss Emily Walden, and Max Boltman, and a couple other people. Kurt Menching, I believe, is still still kicking Kurt writes, out a piece I think there, one here column there. a week. He's been doing a little um, uh, basketball coverage. Yeah, yeah, uh, as that. well, which is kind of cool. Yep, and Kurt can do it all. So yeah, it'll, it's interesting to see what what he's up to over there. Yeah, there are a few more talented, uh, and what what we miss more than. Yeah, Mr. Menching. Yeah, I learned an awful lot from Kurt for sure. So hopefully he can see some evidence of that in my work. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's an experienced man. Um, so yeah, all right. Let's turn things over to the All Star Game. And I mean, the first thing to talk about is Joe Jimenez um, and his reaction to being selected, which was really cool. It obviously he barely cried. Yeah, it obviously you know like I mean he had a long. 
he had a long off season this year with his, you know, his family in trouble because of the hurricane and a lot of his friends and relatives um, in Puerto Rico kind of struggling through all that and, you know, maybe not getting the help that they needed as early as they needed it. And so he stayed here and just pretty much just worked like a savage. It seemed like all off season. And, and here we go. Um, first all, he made game. it all worthwhile. Um, what I found interesting, um, and I got this from from our good buddy Jeff's most recent post on the site, um, this is actually the only the third time in 12 years that the Tigers have only sent one person yeah. um, to the game, which, uh, ouch. But also, uh, is anyone surprised? Like, Yeah, they shouldn't be. We've had there... some snubs in the past, too, but yeah, the Tigers were well represented for quite a while. Yeah, they're, I mean, they've always been, even last season... Um, because Justin Upton uh, was picked as kind of a late replacement um, with Fulmer in the mix and Upton. I'm, I'm not making that up, right? Those were our representatives last year. Yeah, that sounds right. I can't think of okay. the it was one more, but yeah. I think those were the main two. Um, but we still got the two folks, even though it was a bit of a rough year last season still. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, it's been a tough season. Um, Jeff made a really good point in that article, actually, where he he did say that the, the pick was largely based on what the team, what the AL team specifically needed the most of in reserves. Yeah. Um, and had they needed a bigger selection of bats, I think Castellanos probably would have gotten the nod for the team as a reserve player. Um, he's He was really, between him and Nico Goodrum, were the only guys putting up any real real numbers worth noticing for the all-star game. But I think in the, at the end of the day, Jimenez was the best pick and it is worth noting that it is really remarkable for a middle reliever to get picked to be in the all-star yeah. team. Like you don't see a lot of that. You usually see your closers getting picked. Um, and for a guy to stand out in that like seventh, eighth inning role to get that nod is, is a really impressive feat. So, I mean, I think Especially he really after gets... a rookie season where he just got clobbered too, you know, to yeah. come back and put this, this year up and, and get that nod is pretty cool. Um, did you, did you feel like Nick got snubbed or did you feel like it was a pretty borderline no, case? Yeah. I, I think there's so many good outfielders. Um, it, and even like you could look at guys like JD Martinez, who obviously got picked, um, who are not particularly good defensive outfielders, but he's yeah. also J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Um, so those sort of inclusions make a lot more sense, I think, than Nick, who is very good and is one of the best players on our team, but who is still a bad, he's a, he's a bad <laughs> defensive outfielder. Yeah. Um, and he's only so-so offensively right now, right? So... Yes, he's very good for our team, but in the grand scope of the entire league, um, no. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's been a more productive hitter than, than maybe one or two guys that did get selected, but it's just, it's all split in hairs. And then when you look at you know, just how bad his defense has been in, in right field, it's it's pretty hard to get upset about that. So Yeah, and then I look at the guys who did, I think, did legitimately get snubbed, and it's really hard for me to say that, like, that Nick was you know yeah. overlooked the chief like, snubby <laughs> yeah well i mean i look at yeah i look at blake snell as being a snub but i even look at guys like i'm watching the mariners right now and i'm like how did gene segura not get a nod as at least a reserve player and he yeah. is on the final vote but i mean like segura's had such an incredible season it's like 
what the fuck, people? Yeah, um, and I mean, Manny Machado's had, you know, a good year, but, you know, he's playing for just an absolute garbage franchise. And, well, and then and you Manny look at Machado a guy like, is a terrible shortstop. I mean, he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he's terrible in the position, which is interesting with the trades coming up because he apparently only wants to play shortstop, and he's not good at it. So. Yeah, and then you look at a guy like Bryce Harper, and of course Bryce Harper's going to get voted in to the Washington-based All-Star game. Um, where he has promised that he will participate in the home run derby because he's been included in the team. But, like, Bryce Harper has had a trash season. Yeah, for Bryce Harper, this has been awful. (laughs) Yeah, and especially going into his free agency, this season has been not great. So, I mean, you look at players that weren't picked, and that's my one kind of gripe about the All-Star game, is that it's not an All-Star game. It is a who-is-your-favorite-player game. Yeah, and yeah. with public voting, and I get it, you're you're trying to engage and you want people to vote and you want people on the field that people want to see. Right. And that sort of falls into line with the MLB's issue of trying to, to market their teams and market their players. So in that sense, the All-Star Game is doing its job beautifully. It's putting people on the field whose names, you know, average Joe Schmo fan will recognize. Yeah. Well, they, the most well and they did, try, you know, they did try to address it by, you know, having the players vote, but... You know, it's just you're never you're just never going to satisfy everybody. It's just not. Well, and this this came up with Blake Snell getting snubbed, Um, and I and I feel like we've bypassed talking about the Rays extensively long enough that nobody can get mad at us (laughs) for this because we're having a series. Yeah, we're having a series against them. The Tigers are currently playing the Rays, so pause and let's have a chat about this. Um, Is that Blake Snell is arguably one of the best pitchers in the American League right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say. He is so good. He's the ERA late leader for, if I'm not making that up, I'm pretty sure he's, he's got, if not, he's got to be he's, close. Cause he's got a two Oh nine ERA. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. If he's not the leader, he's second. Um, so he's right there. Um, and he's just having a monster, monster season. Like he is doing so friggin' well that he is nigh on unhittable in games right now. And I would say in any other scenario he would be in contention to start the all-star game like he's having that good of a year yeah and yeah i mean you just can't knock him the only thing i you know the only thing you can knock him a little bit for is his walk rate but yeah yeah. and striking out 10.24 for k9 and yeah 209 era like yeah you're doing pretty good yeah and so i think that there is is legitimate beef there for people to be like why is blake snell not in the all-star game at all mm-hmm. like compared to guys like maybe like yeah Garrett Cole started the season really hot but does he deserve to be there over Blake Snell um you know you get guys like of course Justin Verlander deserves his all-star pick yeah there's no question but Justin Verlander's not even gonna play in the all-star game yeah he's pitching on Sunday against the Tigers like as as is Trevor Bauer so he's not gonna make it either yeah yeah so, I mean, yes, their inclusion is because of what they've demonstrated for the full season, and I totally understand that. But a guy like Blake Snell has put up numbers that should make him a shoe-in to be included in that. And because the pitchers are selected by their peers, um, it, it's kind of come up since then. And Chris Archer's kind of championed this, like, WTF <laughs> movement um, where he's called out the rest of the league. And he's been like, guys, um, how is it that somebody who has these numbers that we all recognize as being the best, or at least among the best, is not getting the votes? 
like as as players and as you know people in the same league as these people we have to do better than this and Justin Verlander actually came into the discussion because there was a whole big thing on on Twitter about it. Yeah. And Justin Verlander's like, well, you know, what would really help is if we didn't have to like old school paper ballot it, ballot it, like nine weeks before the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole system is kind of set up for it to be flawed. Um, and I don't know. You know, I mean, I have I'm I'm kind of an ambivalent person about the All Star Game, but it it also just seems weird to me that there's so many guys like. Like, it just feels like it almost hurts it because if you just limited it to, like, two starters and two relievers and we're like, nope, you guys are actually going to play in this game rather than we're going to do the, oh, you know, one get one inning, you know, per guy and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and, and, you know, replacements every other inning. Once you start doing that, you open the door to where it's it's really hard to argue, like, why isn't Blake Snell there? But, you know, like, whoever, James Paxton or, you know, so-and-so. Or James something. Paxton got snubbed, too. Oh, did he? Which is yeah. a, another gripe that I kind of have considering the season he's been having. Yeah. And I mean, numbers-wise, obviously not the best, but yeah, you take the I, guy who had a no-hitter and he's had to, he he's did. had a really tremendous season. Yeah, he did. And he's really led the led a pretty, you know, average Mariner staff otherwise to uh, to be better than probably they really are. But, you know, you look at Trevor Bauer's numbers and Justin Verlander's numbers and Chris Sale's numbers, and it's like, you know, those guys are tough to top. Severino, it's tough. Is this tough when you've got you know when you've got guys you know pitching this well? Um, it is too bad because Blake you got to figure it means more to Blake Snell than it probably does to to Justin Verlander. Obviously, it means yeah. a lot to Trevor Bauer because you know all the stuff means so much to Trevor Bauer. <laughs> but, yeah. but he'll talk about how it doesn't. Can we just have a, I, I want to bring up a Trevor Bauer point. So well, he said he he knows he's an all star already, so it doesn't oh. matter what what people say. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so Trevor Bauer recently he's growing on I'm... me like a fungus, though I have to admit. <laughs> I love to hate Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Like I just used to hate Trevor Bauer, but now it just like feeds my soul when he says stupid things. I get, I just really enjoy it. Um, like recently he said that he will never sign a long-term contract um, for the remainder of his career. Only one year deals. Yeah. Because he made a bet with a friend of his that he would never sign a long-term contract. And if he did, I think he gets, his buddy gets to like shoot him in the nuts with a paintball gun. Yeah, I think that was the bet. Yep. Is I think with the bet that he loses, <laughs> which just goes to show that I, I I believe that Trevor Bauer will eternally be 14 years old. Yeah. And is the most ridiculous human being in baseball. And yet, at the same time, is a frigging genius where pitching is concerned. And that's, you know what? And, and that drives rope. me nuts because he's also insanely smart. Yep. Like, he, he knows. He's not like this big natural athlete type dude. I mean, he made all this happen through his understanding of pitching. And then everything else about him just does not fit with that, that picture of him at all. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's such a character. dick. Yep. He's, he's really... And, <laughs> And he, you know, and he's embracing it. You know, he's calling him. Oh my god, Tyler. he owns the villainy. Yep. Like donating everything in terms of like four twenties and sixty nines. Yep. And we talk and about like, this in in mixed martial arts terms, like with the UFC, in terms of like res- pro wrestling type characters, where there's the the hero and the heel. Oh and, yeah, he's definitely the heel. Yeah, and he's embracing it. And no one ever embraces that in baseball, or very rarely. You know, like maybe like a Kinsler. Or, Chase Utley type guy will embrace. Kinsler, kind of I think, is just like he's like I'm I'm the pure grit cowboy, right? Like right. that's the Kinsler thing, and that's what we're gonna get, I think, from guys that are like coming up in the system. Yeah, like you know, Clemens, Cody Clemens, I think, is gonna be a Kinsler type, um, and you can already see him kind of formula- formulating that like cheeky um, dickhead. 
Yeah. Like, like thing. And I mean that in a very loving way. Yeah. Um, But Trevor Bauer just does not care if people hate him. And there's something. Yeah, he's actively. (laughs) He feeds on it. Like he. And like I said, I I don't like Trevor Bauer at all. He has said some truly despicable things online. I do not think that he's the kind of person I would want to hang out with at a dinner party. Yeah. But there is something very engaging about him, like, going in with both feet into the villain role. Yeah. And, I I don't know, there is something you got to kind of like about somebody who's willing to be hated. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, who knows what Trevor Bauer is like. Like, my impression of him is, like, he's just kind of, like, kind of an awkward dork. Was probably who he always was, who, you know, with a high... You know, with a high impression of his own his own mm-hmm. abilities and intellect, of course, and you know, thinking that you know nothing nothing he does could be, could go wrong, and so you know, he's just that guy that yeah is is fun to hate, and you know, from the beginning, like I was a fan because I knew all the stuff he had done with Driveline. I I really wanted him to succeed. I always thought he would turn into the pitcher he's been, and I would like to kind of enjoy that, but I can't enjoy it because he's just so goddamn annoying. <laughs> Yeah, right. But like you, you don't want to wish him well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You don't want him to do well. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of want him to take like a line, a comebacker to like the chest a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like where it'll just leave a really bad bruise, but it won't hurt him. I know, especially <laughs> after he seems to have hit like every one of the Tigers' like top six guys in their order. He's the one who game. gave Ian Kinsler a concussion, wasn't he? Yep, and he hit, uh, he hit. Yeah, he hit Victor in the in the right knee. He hit. Miguel, I think, in the hand in that yeah, game. Yeah, he's made the rounds. Yeah, it was just one after another. So, I mean, he's he's just an irritant. But um, but obviously pitching very well. And Blake Snell, though, has definitely definitely had a great season. And I guess, you know, I guess what it comes down to is just, he's going to have to keep it up. Or get yeah. traded, because who knows what the race is. Oh, shut your face. Yeah, he and, uh, he and Adamus are out the door this, this trade season, I guarantee it. I <laughs> do not in... Like, I would bet you money, like, just actual for, for money, just, for just that the cash. Rays will not trade Willie Adamas. And they're, they're trading him just for cash, actually. It'll just be a pure oh my cash God. deal. Brandon, you, can't, you just don't be mean to me like this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the Rays are mean to you guys. That's just so... <laughs> the Rays are hard enough on me as it is with injury and trade. Yeah. And every time I go on vacation, they trade another player. I know, it's um, crazy over there. It's crazy. It's not okay. Hopefully the they Rays get that new stadium. You know, new, new stadium plans look good. It looks beautiful. It does. They kept the Flappy Boy tank. Yep, yep. They're going to have some rays Flappy in there. Boy's there. So I'm, I'm okay. I think it looks gorgeous. It's got a very similar, if anybody hasn't seen it and kind of has an idea what the Miami Stadium looks like, it's got the big back panel glass wall. Yeah. Um, so you'll actually get natural light, but it still maintains the dome. Um, but it's like a translucent, like an... It almost like looks a, like a, a semi sheer. It's very geo like. Yeah, it's, it's like very a like dome, but it's not exactly. It's yeah, got that pattern in it though. It seems like, and it's it's like semi sheer, but not. Like it's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, but man alive, somebody pointed out in the D Rays big comments today how friggin' cool it's going to be to be in that stadium if a thunderstorm is happening outside. Oh yeah. Because you'll be able to see all the light coming through and that big window, and I think it's just going to be incredible if they can make it work the way it looks like it's going to. Yeah, I do. I do really like that idea of the clear dome, so that you get the natural light. If it's storming outside, you get some wild, you know, lightning action out beyond yeah. the lights inside the stadium. It, it could look pretty cool. So, yeah, I think it's. I think they're limited by the size, which is why they're not going to go with something like a retractable. Um, but I, I think that they're really like 
opening themselves up. So the biggest complaint that people have about the trop is that it is just, you're shut in. You don't know anything that's going on outside, right? Yeah. Um, so this brings the outside in, in a very, in a, in a way that doesn't change what the trop is. Like, it's still probably going to be one of the only stadiums with turf. Um, I think the, the Jays still have turf, don't they? Yes. No, they might have rat, do they? Yeah, the, yeah, the Blue Jays have some kind of, yeah, some kind of astroturfish type situation yeah. still. So I'm, I'm sure, sure somebody will correct us if we're wrong on that. They may. No, they don't. Turf, it's still, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's still super bouncy. It looks different because, than it used to. Because um, grass more can't grass grow in Canada in March. <laughs> yeah, it's Just, impossible. I mean, I can't say that because they've got a system in tar- a Target Field that works, and it's basically the same temperature. Yeah. So. Yeah, and um, Toronto's actually near the water, so it might uh, might help. But. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the new Ray Stadium t- design, it's up on their Twitter, on their Instagram, if you want to have a peek at it. It looks really cool. Um, so hopefully they can make that into a real thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, you know, it'd be really nice to see that work out and that franchise work out there, because I've definitely been one of those who is kind of like, I don't know, you guys. <laughs> I don't know if maybe they shouldn't move to Montreal again, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Why do you want to do this podcast alone, Brandon? I just want to see some expos. That's all. I want Canada to have two teams. Here I am supporting your country. Yeah, yeah <laughs> despite, not... the, despite the violent milk enmity between our two great nations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm not opposed to the expos coming back. I would like to put that on record. Uh, I would just not like it to be at the expense of me losing the Rays. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll keep the Rays. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen because my sense now is that if if that was going to happen. This, none of this other stuff would have ever even reached the stage. You can kind of see it when, you know, when Manfred and, and kind of the other owners turn against an ownership or a or just the entire idea of a franchise being in a certain place. And none of those signs are there. Um, in fact, they're still talking about, you know, hoping to expand to another two more teams sometime in the next decade. So, well, I mean, there's a there's been chatter online about I think there's a, like a group in Portland um, that's kind of financially vying to prove to the MLB that they have what it takes to have a team there. Yeah. Um, which includes pop star Ciara, Sierra. Oh yeah. Ciara. Sure. I, uh, C-I-A-R-A. Um, <laughs> and so she's like saying, heck yeah, man, bring baseball to Portland. And I'm like, I feel like there's a Portlandia skit about this, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yep. It seems like that could work. I mean, and there's, you know, there's still the Vegas possibility, I suppose, and maybe a couple other couple other cities i've always been surprised that like tennessee doesn't have one especially with how many people move there out of michigan and the rest of the rust belt over the past 15 years 20 years it seems like nashville would be a decent spot but i don't see any sign of anything like that happening i haven't heard of any proposals or anything else no all right before we wrap up this all-star game business um we've got five alternates five reserves or i'm sorry the uh final vote candidates so let's walk through these. Let's walk through the American League first, and just um, Segura. Okay, Segura. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was this? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> go was, ahead. That Actually, was, that was the question. I, I was going to read them <laughs> off, but you gave the answer already. Yeah, we've got Andrew Benintendi, the Boston Red Sox left fielder, who's got 14 home runs, 286 batting average, 16 stolen bases. We've got Eddie Rosario, who's been excellent for the Twins despite their flailings and inability to. to uh, capitalize on what was supposed to be a big season. Um, batting 306, 18 home runs, 6 stolen bases. Segura's batting 333 with 14 stolen bases, 7 home runs. Playing shortstop, which is a key thing. Andrelton Simmons, like, no, just stop. Let's not go there. He's, 
The batting average is fine, but it's batting average for God's sakes. Like I, I'm embarrassed to even have to bring it up. Um, and then Giancarlo Stanton, of course, who, I mean, it kind of comes down to me to, I mean, I can't in any reasonable way think of how Benintendi would win over Stanton. So to me, it comes down to Stanton and Segura. And I kind of like Segura as well. Like Segura's had a great year. Um, yeah. And he's been good for a couple of years. And, you know, he went through some really hard times too. So didn't he, like, he lost a child and then, like, one of his parents oh. died. Like, he went through just a debacle personally, like, three or four years ago um, before he ended up in Arizona and then Seattle. So, yeah, I've kind of I've kind of been, like, rooting for him from a distance. So, yeah, it would be nice to see him get in there. Um, my, I only my want bad things thing for the of... Yankees, so forget Stanton, really. Yeah, yeah, screw Stanton. Um, he's also like really dismissive of the home run derby, which I mean, like if you're going to get sassy about things, like (laughs) you don't get to go to the all-star game. If you think that the home run derby is stupid, like either you think it's all hilarious and enjoyable or you don't get to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) it's all kind of stupid. It is. So, I mean, don't sneer at the home run derby and be like, no, I've done a couple of those already. Like, yeah, we get it. You hit home runs, Giancarlo. Right. Like that's the only reason, you know, people want to even see you in the first place is in the home run derby. It's literally the only thing people care about for you. And since you're not on course to hit like 50 plus this year, you can just stay home in New York. Yeah. Um, I'm so sassy about Stanton. I don't <laughs> it's like ever since he became a Yankee, I'm like, nah, I know. Um, it's but no, thing. I, I, and I, like, and I can I, totally see him getting in. Obviously like, you know, of course he did, he's Giancarlo fine. Stanton, right? Like he's going to have the, the wall of Yankees fandom behind him. But I think with the way that the Mariners are going right now and with how excited people are about where they are in the standings and, you know, they're, they're kind of approaching almost certainty of the postseason. Knockwood. Yeah. Um, that I feel like their fan base is really going to rally behind getting Segura in there. Yeah. Um, it seems like, and, it. It's hashtag save Segura, by the way, or send Segura, <laughs> um, if you want to tweet it out. Yeah. Uh, Even you know, I, I saw Leonis Martin campaigning for him early as well, obviously, former teammates. Well, of so, course, yeah. former teammates. Yeah. My favorite thing about Gene Segura, though, and I, I defy you to not notice this next time you watch a Mariners game, um, he just always looks like he's just been surprised by something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he does. Every time you pan over to Segura's face, he just has this, like, oh... <laughs> look about him and it is my absolute favorite thing about him slightly Um, startled slightly slightly startled all the time and yeah it's just truly it brings me joy every time i see it so (laughs) yeah yeah i think that would be my choice as well and then we go to the national league all right i'm going to kind of eliminate matt carpenter just because it's just it's Matt Carpenter. What, like, what? Yeah, yawn. Okay, bring my other four yeah. options. I don't actually know who they are. Yeah, you might know a few. Like Jesus Aguilar from the Milwaukee Brewers, who is very young and has exploded on the scene with 20 home runs in the first half. Um, you got Brandon Belt, who's got 13 bombs for San Francisco, playing first base, um, hitting for average, and generally draws a lot of walks. Eh, good player, but like, eh, not that stoked. Not that stoked about Matt Carpenter and his ability to put up a 400 OBP and still be somewhat unimpressive. But then there's Max Muncy, who's been just just another one of those guys that the Dodgers just pull out of their ass every year <laughs> and has hit 20 home runs and just kind of came out of the blue um, to play first base for them and has been amazing. And then you've got Trey Turner, who is the Washington National shortstop. Oh, yeah. Trey Turner. I like Trey I'm... Turner. He's kind of the he's the, the Segura of the National League. You know, 22 stolen bases, hitting for average. Power. Turner's kind of got it rough because he's on the same team as Bryce Harper, and I feel like Harper kind of steals all of the the name thunder. But Trey Turner's got he's a really 
quite an exciting young player. Yeah, he's a lot of um, fun to watch. I agree. Yeah, he really is. And I think my one of my favorite Trey Turner things is that I think the year after Trey Turner really busted out for the Nationals, the Nationals went ahead and drafted another guy named Trey Turner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But different spelling. Felt it slightly different. Yeah. And like the Colorado Rockies tweeted out afterwards that they were like, wait a second. You can't. And the Nationals' this. Twitter account was like, turns off cloning machine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's yep. just one of those random interactions that I think of every time I see Trey Turner's name mentioned. Yeah, that was pretty um, great. I agree. I thought that was fantastic. So I'm going to pick Trey Turner, although Max Muncie is also really fun to say. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Muncie is tempting. I just, I just hate it when the Dodgers do this, though. I hate when they just, like, get some random guy, like Chris, you know, Chris Taylor just, like, comes out of the blue and was, like, really good for him and played center field when they needed him. I'm going Trey Turner as well. Um, he's living in the shadow of Mr. Harper and Mr. Scherzer over there and has definitely held down his end of the bargain. So I think I would take Turner as well. And I mean, I'm just, I'm partial to shortstops. Like, you know, when a shortstop can hit and produce offensively, like it just doesn't get any better than that. And that's what the Tigers need desperately in their farm system. So uh, they, those guys like that are on my mind. <laughs> because the I'm going to throw this out here. We're going to totally shift directions. Since we're talking about shortstops and love of shortstops, um, have you ever read a book? Uh, called The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbeck. No, I have it, actually, but no, I haven't started it yet. It is sensational. Oh, good. And it is beautiful, and it is all about the the, the art. It, it, it is, it's about how to be a successful baseball player is to just be in the moment, and the second you start to think, everything falls apart. Yeah. Oh yeah, the so zen, the, the zen of yeah, the zen of it up. is is that there is thoughtlessness, and then there is thought, and then there is return to thoughtless being, and that is the entire kind of Tao of the art of fielding and what it means to be a shortstop. Oh, and right. holy buckets! It's a beautiful, beautiful book, and I cannot recommend it enough. And it really does romanticize the shortstop position. And it's just a beautiful story about uh, like this amazing, naturally gifted shortstop who goes in to play college ball. And he's kind of got this like rickety, already needs cortisone shots in his knees, um, kind of grizzled, grizzled <laughs> as grizzled as one can be in college, the college senior catcher, yeah. kind of this relationship between them. And I know we've talked about books on this podcast before, so I feel okay doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, this seems like the, the epic baseball beach read of the summer. Is what oh, it sounds like, yeah, like you should check this out. Oh, it's so beautiful. Like, if you want a book that is literature, but also baseball, and it's good for anybody, like, I don't care if you don't care about baseball, if you just like good books, and if you do care about baseball and just want a book that, like, is so romantic about it and so beautiful. Um, the Art of Fielding. Uh, I, I want to say Chad Hardbeck, but I could be making that up. Give me two seconds. Um, so everyone go add it to your Amazon cart. Yeah, yeah, that does sound familiar, though. You know, and I picked it up. Yeah, it is Chad Harbach. Yeah. Harbach. Yeah. I picked it up for it a is. buck in our, in like a, one of those friends of the library sales. Um, oh, it's, like a couple you, months ago. So I was hoping it would be good. It looked like, yeah, like uh, for a buck, at least should have some, some baseball intrigue for me there. It's a dollar well spent, my friend. Please right. enjoy it. Um, and we, when you have read it, um, and now I want to reread it. <laughs> it. It is one of my favorite books of all time. I think like it's, it, it left me with such a full feeling, um, when I finished it. Um, and I can't recommend it highly enough because uh, we were talking. 
I love tops. it. Oh, I love it. That sounds great. You know, I mean, that kind of reminds me of it. Just the start of it even sounds to me like I I can't help but think of like Jose Iglesias, just like this ludicrous genius fielder who, you know, like had to had to sort of learn as he got older to like use his head and figure out how to like play smarter without giving up like just the the freak instincts that he possesses naturally so well then the problem then becomes for henry who is the the hero of the book is that he starts to think about it and thinking about it ruins everything and he suddenly loses all of his natural ability so it's it's kind of about finding your way back in at that point yeah it's and it's got like there's a character on our team that just doesn't care about playing at all and he just kind of like sits in the dugout and reads like (laughs) It's it's so charming. I, I hope everybody who is listening and cares about books at all goes out and gets it. Mm, sounds good. Yeah, you know, like uh, it sounds like Nick Castellanos would like that book if Nick Castellanos read books. You know, if Nick Castellanos listened to our podcast, yeah. Nick, I apologize for everything I've said about you. Please read that book. We love you. Button up your shirt. Just one button for <laughs> Ashley, please. Just one more. That's all we're asking. You're a grown man now. Or you got you got a if son. If you're going to leave it unbuttoned, wear that fun kerchief again. Oh, I like that combo. <laughs> That's great. All right, I'm going to hit you with just a couple couple quick little topics, and then we will hit the road. Um, I wanted to ask about Manny Machado. Because right now, I mean, Manny Machado looks like the most sort of intriguing piece that's going to be available. Um, It sounds like, you know, the Orioles, the reports are, you know, the Orioles are receiving offers left and right. Like, everybody is interested to some degree or another. Do you have any favorite for where you think Manny Machado might end up? I don't. Um, I, there's been some interesting ones. I feel like, but everyone that's been mentioned, I like the Diamondbacks were listed as being seriously in, interested. Yeah, and they're leading their division. But who do they have left? I mean, yeah, they could barely give up anything for JD Martinez last year. Yeah, and then they so, trade, they traded Banda to the Rays. Yeah, and then he subsequently went and got Tommy John. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was for Steven Souza Jr. So who who do they have? that makes, you know, an intriguing enough offer for the Orioles to, to part ways with Machado. Um, who else was, because I know the Cubs were rumored at the beginning. I don't see the Cubs moving and the Cubs again yeah. have no farm system to speak of left. Yeah. It's still like the uh, Dodgers brewers and supposedly like the Yankees and, and the Red Sox are both getting into this. Um, no. Although it kind of sounds like the Red Sox may just be kind of like trying to bait the Yankees into doing something like this, but well, you, you know what? That doesn't surprise me at all um, because of what they did last year um, with the um, and who was it they they stole out from under the Yankees? Um, it was their third baseman. Was oh. it Frazier? They they took um, was it Todd Frazier from the White Sox? Oh yeah, right. When they oh that's right, they traded for him in advance, right? Yeah, Todd yeah, well, because now it, with there the was Mets, like and I keep rumors on rumors on rumors about the Yankees needing a third baseman, and everyone's like, "Hey, the White Sox suck. Why don't you guys take Todd Frazier?" And the Yankees are like, "Hem ha, hem ha," and the Red Sox are like, "La la la, Todd Frazier." Um, so there is absolutely a history of those teams just fucking with each other for fun. Yeah, and then um, the Yankees, of course, were like, "Oh, I guess we better side Todd Frazier," <laughs> and they did. Yeah, they, they had him all postseason. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, it's yeah, one of those things. and I think you know, yeah. And the other thing about that is that the Orioles are just freaking weird. Like, I just I can't see them trading trading Manny Machado in the division. And so I will say that the Dodgers will make some kind of a move to get him to re- try to replace Corey Seager. That just seems like the most the most likely thing to me. Yeah, I could buy that. Manny Machado seems like a like a, a Hollywood sort of guy to me. So I can yeah, see that. I can see it, and I can see the Dodgers having enough pieces to make that work. Yeah. All right. 
the next one. Okay. Will the Mets trade Jacob DeGrom or Noah Syndergaard? Uh, DeGrom, I could see. Yeah, you could definitely get a lot for DeGrom. I don't see them moving Thor. Um, I'm not going to say it's an impossible thing, um, especially given how bad the Mets are right now. Yeah, um, but he has been kind of banged up and stuff, yeah. I think it depends on how desperate they're feeling and what their internal kind of discussion is on where they see things going next season. Um, but I can absolutely see them moving to Grom, no question. I, I think they'd have to get a really strong offer on Syndergaard to move him, though. Yeah, I mean, they really can't. They have to be really careful not to not to sell low on that. Yeah, <sighs> especially he one. like came back monstrous over the off season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, you gotta be like you'd have to be wowed by an offer for that. I think that they would move to Grom for a lot less than they would Syndergaard, and I think that they could get somebody giving them the kind of offer they want to hear. Yeah. Um, so that, I, that I could see. I, I don't possible. think it's a sure thing, but yeah, it's, it, just it's tough. Me- there's only so many, you know, yeah, there's only so many pharmacy systems that yeah. can even pay for a DeGrom really. Um, or a Syndergaard depending. I mean, right now I, you know, I actually, I would say DeGrom is probably worth more because he's been durable, but, mm-hmm. um, the, but the potential is still so high. If Syndergaard can just kind of dial it back and stop throwing his, his arm out of, out of the socket. <laughs> Um, it's the Mets way, Brandon. I know. I, you know, and it's the Mets again. It's another one. That's the, that's kind of the weird thing setting up with this, this trade season is that not only is the all-star game really late, um, but a lot of the teams with the better pieces to trade are just really strange and hard to read. Like they're not the type of teams that do the logical thing. Um, if they have, you know, if they have some, some feelings in the game or are concerned about their fan base and all this kind of, you know, these kind of short-term concerns, I could see them really screwing that up. All right. Yeah, so I don't really know what to say about that either. I, I kind of don't think they will. I, I look around at, like, what pitchers might be available, and it still kind of looks like, you know, like J.A. Happ and Fulmer and some of these guys are, are the best options available, and I don't know if teams are even going to bother coming after any of them really particularly hard. Just stock yeah. up on more relievers, right? Relievers, woo, bullpenning. <laughs> My traditionalist self is annoyed at bullpenning, but it is pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah. All right. And then the final one. Bring it. All right. Who will be traded by the Detroit Tigers? Predict it if you can. Liriano. Yeah. All right. You don't think there'll be anything else, eh? Nothing, nothing else available? Oh, I thought you just wanted me to pick at least one. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> that was the goal here. You want, like, the whole list. Yeah, like, who do you think um, will be I think Liriano maybe fires... And I think we might get like a weirdo, crazy surprise in Iglesias. Mm, yeah. Yeah, he is really playing well, too. As for me, yeah, I mean, Liriano and Fires are the, are the the ones that make the most sense. I can't, I just keep wondering about Nick, honestly. I keep wondering if maybe a team won't push a little bit for Nick. There's a lot of teams in the National League that seem like they need a bat. Um, there's the Indians that need an outfield bat one way or the other. I just wonder if someone won't come to us and kind of make a push there, but I can't predict that he's going to get traded either. So I am going to have to say Liriano and fires and we're all super bored. <laughs> Not very yeah. impressed. Oh yeah. We're going to yawn our way through the whole thing, but yep. there you go. Yep. We can, uh, I could hope that James McCann would be traded out of my life forever, but that's probably not going <laughs> to <happen. laughs> Yeah. Good luck with that. Yep. 
All right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I would invite our listeners to go over to the site and check out um, the other podcast that's up on the site. Um, our buddy Keenan does a minor league podcast called The Minor League Tracker. Um, that There's a recent episode there that you can check out. Um, Ashley and I will be back again probably next Tuesday for the All-Star Game, or at least thereabouts. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to overpromise, but yeah, we should be we should be back around that time. Um, and that's about it. Anything else you want to want to rant about or... No, I think, I mean, I'm not angry about baseball this week, so that's wonderful. I know, I'm trying to work up some anger, but really, yeah, there's a little bit of apathy right now. We kind of no, need to get, get to um, the trade deadline. I need to see some prospect stuff and, yeah, you know, et cetera. We've got, like, the Rays Tiger series going on right now, so, of course, I'm deeply conflicted about life. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> you and your terrible. divided loyalties. My divided loyalties. <laughs> um, I would like to see the Tigers win. <laughs> at least a game this series would be nice. I know. You know, the Rays are in a weird spot because they, they're they pulling out all the stuff in games and they can't get, I, they can't really get a wild card. Like, it's not impossible. No. But it's it's just odd the way things are going. Because, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like there's really any chance of that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's hard to see what they're doing right because they're definitely not tanking. No. As much as people want to say they're tanking, they're not. They're doing really well. Um, so yeah, they're just a weird kind of entertaining team to watch to see how experimentation can, can work in baseball, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They are an interesting case. It is true. All right. We'll wrap it up for this week. Um, you can follow me, Brandon Day at Fiscadoro 74 on Twitter. You can follow Ashley at 90 feet from home and you can read all of our stuff on blessyboys.com. There's been an awful lot of articles up um, the past couple of days, particularly about the, the farm system in general and kind of where the Tigers have stood after the first half. So check all that out there, and we will talk to you all next week. Ashley, have a good night. You too.